0: Okay. Um, so you guys will notice we did something a little bit different there, where we had uh, where we had Jen come and, and read the passage, and that's uh, intentional. I guess we did. We've kind of done a, a couple things different. We've changed the bulletins, and we're involving more people. Um, part of the reason is because um, I want you guys to begin to see the leaders uh, in uh, more more roles than just small group leaders, but also um, as fellow Uh, heirs of grace and as individuals who whom the Lord has gifted and has given to you guys as as a gift uh, for your um, not only for your edification but also as examples for you guys and so um, we're going to begin hopefully kind of having more of the leaders come up and and read the passage and and uh, maybe even give some encouragement uh, as well so thank you Jen for doing that um And so you guys should all have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be doing uh, verses 14 through 21. And uh, I'm going to pray again real quick um, and just ask that the Lord would help me and would help us uh, as we seek to understand his holy and inspired word. So Father, we come before you once again, and uh, we ask uh, that you would bless your word as it goes forth. Uh, Father, we know that your word uh, does not uh, go forth uh, in vain, but uh, it accomplishes everything that you intend for it to accomplish, Lord. In the same way that when you uh, cause the rain to happen, Lord, and you bring uh, growth of uh, vegetation, Lord, and and flowers and and grass, Lord God, uh, the rain accomplishes that which you uh, ordain for it to accomplish, And so, Father, we ask that you would do the same uh, with your word, that you would bring forth fruit in our lives, that you would sanctify us, that you would make us more like Christ and less like ourselves. And it's in Christ's name that we ask this. Amen. So recently, some of you helped Lindsay and I move to this new place. Um, and so that was just a couple of weeks ago. And then like right, like a couple of days after we moved, then we had Evelyn. So it was a, a kind of a crazy, uh, well, actually, I should say we were scheduled to have Evelyn and then it took days uh, for that to happen. Um, but what was what was really cool about having you guys, some of you guys come and help out is the reality. I mean, we had several people from church come and, and lend their muscles and their strength to help us move cabinets and, uh, different, different things like that. Right. Um, and what was really cool about that is it, Jonathan was another one, um, uh, and Jen and, and a lot of you guys came and helped us out. So thank you guys for those of you who did come and and help. Um, but, uh, what was really cool about that is, is just thinking about if Lindsay and I would have had to do all of that by ourselves, I don't think we could have. Uh, one, because uh, I had just hyperextended my knee right before that, so I was kind of gimpy. Um, and so uh, I, I needed the my church family to come around me and to strengthen me, right? To provide a strength that I did not have within myself, right? And uh, the TJ's been going through... Um, been going through uh, Ecclesiastes with the the middle schoolers, and there's a passage in Ecclesiastes that talks about how um, it kind of conveys the idea of how there's strength in in numbers. It's this idea of um, if you are, you know, alone and you fall, right? I mean, who is there to pick you up? That's kind of a loose paraphrase, right? But it says uh, a cord of, is it three strands? Two and then three. Two and then three is not easily broken, Right. Um, and so it's this idea that there is strength uh, in the, the togetherness. And, and so um, tonight, as we are looking at this passage, um, there's a couple of things that I want us to take note of. Um, first, drop down to verse uh, 17 with me. And he says, uh, so he begins with this prayer, right? And, but he says, here's the purpose of it. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then drop down to verse 19. He says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that, which is a purpose statement there, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so Paul is now, he's, he's praying once again for these Ephesians to give you guys some, some context here. Um, and he's specifically praying for their relationship with Christ, their relationship with God, and so for us, as we're looking at this passage um, there's there 's going to be three specific things that we 're going to pull out of this passage, but the main theme um, that I want you guys to take away, and it should be in the should be on the the handout there, but growing in our relationship with Christ requires a strength that God supplies that 's the main theme growing in our relationship with Christ requires a strength that God supplies. Just as when Lindsay and I were moving, we didn't have the capacity in and of ourselves to move all of these really heavy objects. So also, you and I, we do not have the capacity in and of ourselves to keep up our relationship with God. We need God to help us in our relationship with God. We need uh, God to strengthen us so that we can continue to have a growing relationship with him. And so <clears throat> Paul here, he, he prays that, that these Ephesians, um, that they would have a growing relationship with Christ, that Christ would dwell in them through faith, right? And then he, sa- he also says they may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so to, to kind of Place this passage in its context uh, the last couple of weeks we have just kind of finished talking about um, the unity between Jew and Gentile right um, that God accomplished in and through the work of Christ and so now he and and this the, the the source of that unity was Christ himself, right? It was the, the Jews and the Gentiles, their union with Christ was, was the source of their union with one another. And so, Paul, wanting that union, that unity of Jew and Gentile to continue and to, to uh, be a, a fruitful relationship uh, in place of a, of a hostile relationship, he prays that God would strengthen their closeness with Christ with a view towards strengthening their relationship with one another. Um, Someone once said that you can only really love someone well when you love Christ the most. When Christ is at the center of your life, when he is everything to you, he supplies to you a love and uh, a security and um, an amazing uh, just... Uh, sense of um, confidence that, that sets us free from the, the need to get our security from other places. And so it actually sets us free to love other people unconditionally because our need for unconditional love, our need for redemption, our need uh, to uh, understand our value has already been taken care of in relationship with Christ. And so Paul is specifically praying for these Ephesians that that their relationship with Christ would be strengthened. And so as we're looking at this passage, we want to ask the question, well, how does God supply the strength that you and I need to grow in our relationship with Christ? Or in another, another way of saying that is what, what tools does God provide or what, what means do, has God given to us so that we can grow in our relationship with Christ? Well, there's, there's three that I'm going to unpack for us in this, this passage. The first is that God supplies strength through the power of his Holy Spirit. God supplies strength through the power of his Holy Spirit. Second, God supplies strength through his holy people. God supplies strength through his holy people. And third, God supplies strength through the love of his son. So let's talk about that first one real quick. God supplies strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16 there. So he says that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, some of you may be asking the question um, why do we why do we need to be strengthened in the first place don't we have all that we uh, all that we need in and of ourselves to Uh, maintain a relationship with with Christ. Uh, Someone once said that our hearts are too weak and narrow to contain the treasure that God puts within them, namely his very presence. The Lord of all, his presence is too weighty, too intensely holy, and too grand for any of us to bear in our own strength. We need God to help us to hold us up so that we can continue in relationship with him. And so the first uh, means that Paul uh, addresses here that he points out to the Ephesians is the third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit, and so Paul has begun this prayer, and he's praying for the Ephesians that they'll be strengthened through the ministry of the holy, uh, of the, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for lack of a better term, the Holy Spirit is kind of the uh, delivery driver of strength to God's people. Um, when uh, back when COVID first hit. Uh, I think I've shared this with you guys a couple times, but uh, Lindsay got in on this this kick where she would um, buy all these super like ugly pieces of furniture, um, and uh, she would come home with these things, and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, how, what are you gonna do with that?" You know, and uh, you know I'd just be th- thinking you know negative negative thoughts uh, about this piece of furniture, and then she would stick it in our garage. And then I'd come out a few days later and it didn't even look like the same thing. I mean, it was completely different, right? But do you know who had to then, so she would sell those things online and then guess who had to deliver those items, those heavy items that she, uh, that she had just refurbished? Me. I was, I was the, the delivery driver of these, uh, of these uh, pieces of furniture that my wife um, had made beautiful, right? And uh, in a similar way, what Paul is is sharing with these Ephesians and, and by extension what he's sharing with us is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that he provides the strength that we need to grow in our relationship with Christ. We are absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to continue to grow in our relationship with Christ, uh, to continue to uh, be upheld moment by moment with the strength that we need not only to um, commune with Christ, but also to say no to sin, to the various temptations that arise in our lives, and also. The Holy Spirit uh, gives us new desires to actually pursue holiness. Um, If you look at the book of Philippians, um, I believe it's chapter 1. I think it's chapter 1. Let's see here. Yeah, chapter one, verse verse six, and it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, in another letter, also written from prison, uh, is sharing with these Philippians, and he's saying that this, this work of God, this, uh, this work where he has brought you into a relationship with him, he is now teaching you how to live a righteous life. Um, this work that God has begun, it is actually carried through in the power that God supplies, right? We don't begin the Christian life in our own strength. It's all, we read in chapter 2 that we were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead means dead, We were not able to actually respond to the gospel. And so the Holy Spirit uh, awakened us, resurrected us, and gave us the capacity to believe in Christ. He uh, took us by the hand, as it were, and led us to Christ and said, look, this is the one, this is uh, the Lamb of God who takes away your sins. And it is that same Holy Spirit who continually strengthens us He makes God look beautiful. He makes the gospel sound invigorating. And he makes the Bible taste sweet. So my question for us is, as we're thinking about the the role that the Holy Spirit plays, have you guys ever asked the Holy Spirit to strengthen your relationship with Christ? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to strengthen your relationship with Christ? I think a lot of times the temptation, uh, I'll just be honest with you guys, I think my temptation in my own life is to think that I've got to do these spiritual disciplines. I've got to read the Bible. I've got to pray. I've got to do these, these good things. I've got to check you know, all the, the righteousness uh, boxes. And if I do those things, then I'll have a better relationship with Christ. But that's actually the wrong motive. And that's that's basically, that is a, a, I'm going to use a term that I actually, fun fact, got in trouble for using. Uh, The first, very first time I preached here, I used the term works righteousness. And uh, several of the elders were like, you shouldn't use that when you're talking to high schoolers. They don't know what that means. And I was like, oh, well, okay. So uh, works righteousness, for those of you who don't know, uh, it basically just means that you are trying to do enough good things so that God will love you and so that God will let you into heaven. Okay, makes sense? Um, so we don't, it's not uh, reading the Bible in and of itself that makes you more like Christ. It is reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit using those inspired words to change you that makes you more like Christ, okay? So we are absolutely dependent upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so my encouragement for us, as we are thinking about this, this fact that the Holy Spirit is essential to our growth and to uh, the strengthening of our relationship with Jesus, my encouragement to us is when you feel like you're just going through a dry season, maybe like you're, you don't feel very connected to Jesus, Ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen your connection to Christ. Even just thinking about the doctrine of the Trinity and how the Holy Spirit is one with Christ and one with the Father and the Holy Spirit indwells us, we are always connected to Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's an amazing reality that boggles my puny mind. But we must be asking the Holy Spirit to strengthen our relationship with Christ. But not only uh, does Paul mention uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he also mentions the fact that God supplies strength through his holy people. Look at verse 18 with me for a minute, where he says, here, we'll back up to 17. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend, and then this is the key phrase there, with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. But notice that phrase there. He says that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. In the Greek, the, that sentence there is, sin pas ho hagias, hagias, And literally what it means is together with the holies. That's, it's, that's what it means if you're like literally translating together with the holies. Or another way you could say it is together with the holy ones. Um, TJ and I were joking about how that sounds like some sort of uh, hanging out with the homies kind of thing. Um, but, but we can think about it in, in that way um, because Paul prays not only that they would experience uh, strength coming to them through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but also through the ministry that these Christians have with one another. Through, uh, in, in our modern context, through the ministry that Abby has to McKenna, that TJ has to me, that Jen has to Samantha, um, we all as the Holies, as the Holy ones, we have uh, the unique calling and the 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 privilege of getting to be uh, those who strengthen one another, those who come alongside uh who others who maybe are feeling discouraged or maybe who are struggling with sin, we get the opportunity to lift other people up. There's a a situation that happens um, in the Old Testament. Some of you guys might be familiar with this illustration. Some of you might not, Um, but Israel goes into battle, right? And so the Lord basically says, Moses, as long as you hold your arms up, uh, Israel's going to win. But if your arms droop, uh, you guys are you're gonna get taken out, right? So he's got to hold his arms up the entire battle, right? And it's and it says that as soon as his arms started to droop, Israel started to lose, right? And so you've got uh, Moses who has his two bros that come alongside him, and I think it's is it uh, Joshua and Her, I forget what the uh, I forget what the two names are, but one on either side, and they're literally they come alongside him and they hold his arms up, and Israel wins the day, right? And that is kind of a little bit of an example of, of our ministry to one another, because this life is warfare. This life is warfare. We live behind enemy lines. In Second Corinthians, it says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so we live, and uh, in also in First John, it says that this, this world, this, this system lives under the sway of the evil one, of the devil. And so we live in a, a in the midst of a war. Satan would love nothing more than to make everybody miserable. Christians and non-Christians. That is, that is his job. That is what he loves to do. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we, as Christians, get the unique opportunity to come alongside one another and encourage one another in the midst of our struggles with sin, in the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of our discouragements, Oh wow, I just totally uh, zoomed in on my notes here That's fun um, but l- as we're thinking about this this idea that that we are called to come alongside and to strengthen one another, my question for you guys is when was the last time you just sat down with a friend and and talked about the the beauty of the gospel when was the last time you spoke with a friend who just felt like giving up on their Christian faith and you took time to encourage them, to remind them that God loves them. I bet you that there's probably some of you in this room who need a friend like that. Someone who can come alongside you and say, you know what? God still has a plan for your life. Even if things aren't going the way that you want them to go, they're still going the way that God wants them to go. We need to be that for one another. I know I need that. Um, I've said this many times. It is much easier for me to believe that God loves Joel than it is for me to believe that God loves me. It is so much easier because I, I am more well acquainted with my own sins and failures and weaknesses. I see them every day. I'm confronted with them and they are discouraging. And so I need people like TJ, like Jonathan, like you guys, to come alongside me and say, hey, God loves you. Jesus died for you. You are his child. We need to be that for one another. So, when was the last time you took a friend out to coffee and you asked them how they're doing? What's going on in your life? What sins are you struggling with? What are you discouraged by? When was the last time you hung out with that person and then pointed them to Christ? Reminded them of the love that God has for them. Because it's only in those relationships that we get a a better sense of God's love. It's so easy, and I'm guilty of this too, it's so easy to talk about things that are worthless. So easy to talk about Marvel movies and Star Wars and different things like that. And don't get me wrong, I love Marvel movies and I love Star Wars. But those things, in the grand, in the the grand scheme, uh, will burn. And all that will remain is what has been done for Christ. I can I think it was Martin Luther who said this: uh, "One life, it will soon be past, and all that will, all that has been done for Christ." is all that will last, something along those lines. So what are we doing for one another in the name of Christ? Are we being the kind of people that seek to strengthen one another, or are we being people who tear one another down? So not only does God provide strength through his Holy Spirit and through his holy people, but we actually see that in this this final point here that God supplies strength uh, in the love or through the love of his son. Look with me at verse 17 once again. He says, so the Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, which is really interesting, just those two words. One of them is an agricultural term, rooted. The, the Greek word there, it, it means exactly that, it conveys the idea of roots. But not only that, grounded, it actually conveys the idea of foundation okay so those two things are important because what it conveys is what's at the center of your life what's what's at the core of your identity are you is the very root of your being is it christ's love for you do you build everything in your life on the knowledge that the son of god loved you and gave his life for you None of that's in my notes. It's just a, something to be thinking about as we're, as we're reading this section. But then he goes on here, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And then he says that the purpose of that is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Or another way of saying that is so that our relationship with God would be strengthened. And so, Paul, in this section, he describes the context in which we learn about God's love, which we just talked about the church, Christian relationships. That's the context in which we learn more about God's love and we experience more of it as we show God's love to one another but now he he kind of moves into not just the context of God's love but also the content of God's love namely that Christ's love is of such a nature that it surpasses our mental capacities that his love has dimensions to it and what's interesting is he gives these four these four dimensions here. He says the breadth of it, the length of it, the height of it, and the depth of it. So we may think of it like this, that the love of Christ for you is so broad that it reaches as far as the east is from the west, because that is how far he has removed our sins from us. I don't know if you guys know this but uh, as far as the east is from the west is uh, an infinite thing because if you keep going east you never reach west you're always going east and if you go west you're always going west so what he's communicating there is the 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 broadness of christ's love is infinitely broad but it's he doesn't stop there he says the the length of it and I think of the prophet Jeremiah when he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's one of my favorite verses. That's Jeremiah 31, verse three. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And the interesting thing is, is when we think about virtually anything that is in this world, the only thing that is everlasting is God and God's love for you. That's the only thing that, that lasts, that's eternal. And that love that God has for you, the length of it is everlasting. But not only is it, is it broad and, and is it long, but we actually also see that it uh, is high, in the sense that it raises us uh, weak and, and pathetic sinners from the depths of our depravity and seats us in the heavenly places, in the very arms of the Heavenly Father. We do not deserve that kind of love, and yet the love of Christ raises us up out of the trash heap of our sins and places us in the very lap of the King of Kings. In fact, if you read the book of Revelation, it says, To the one who overcomes, I will grant to that person to sit on my throne with me. That is the height of the love of Christ. But not only that, there is a depth to it. We see that Christ's love is so deep that he was willing to step down from his throne, come down to earth, take on human flesh. But not only that, we see Christ also stooping yet again in service. We talked about this back during the fall, washing the disciples' feet, doing the, the job that was the, for the lowest of the low servants. But that wasn't, he didn't stop there. He went to the depth of the grave, to show us his love for us. And so that we might be rescued from the hell that our sins certainly deserve. Someone once said that the quality of love is measured by the distance that you are willing to travel for the person that you love. Um, I heard a story from uh, my boy Sinclair Ferguson where he was talking about how his son had come home for Christmas or come home for holiday, as he says, and uh, um, he, his, him and his son both like love golf, and so he was thinking, oh, while he's home, while he's home, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go, you know, golfing a bunch, and uh, so he invites his son to go golfing, and his son's like, you know, actually, I'm only gonna be here for a short time. I'm gonna fly over to Australia, and his dad's like, Australia? And he's like, it must be a girl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was a girl. And then he and then he tells he says that he married the girl, right? The the distance the quality of love is measured by the distance that one is willing to travel to be with the person or with the object of that love. And when we think about the dimensions of the love of God that uh, he displays for us in this passage and, 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 and uh, lays bare before our mind's eye, we must conclude that this love is the most wonderful love in all of the world. John Calvin once said that of this passage, he says, the love of Christ that is held out to us as the subject of this passage ought to occupy our daily and nightly thoughts, and we ought to be wholly plunged into it. And then he finishes by saying this, that that he who is in possession of this love has enough. So my question for us is when you feel discouraged, when you see your own sinfulness, when you're plans go amok, do you take time and think about the dimensions of God's love? Do you think about the, the, the width of his love, the, the length of his love, the, the height of his love, the depth of his love for you? Because I guarantee you, and I've experienced this in my own life when I'm, uh, when I'm actually uh, thinking about the love of Christ When you put that love in its proper place and you uh, meditate on it, the problems of life seem to pale in comparison when you think about the love that God has for you. To the degree that you meditate on his love for you, it is to that degree that you will be strengthened in your fight against sin, instructed in your moments of doubt, and upheld in life's deepest hurts. And so we must meditate on the love of Christ so that our our relationship with him will be strengthened. And so I'll close with this, and then we can jump into our groups. Jesus intends to dwell in our hearts. What's interesting about that word dwell in verse 17. There's a couple different words that get used in the New Testament for dwell. One of them is like a tent that's used in John chapter 1. This is not that word. This is the word for home. This is the word for home. Jesus intends for you, for your heart, to be his home. And we do not have the strength that is required to bear the weight of his presence in our lives. And so we need him, we need the Holy Spirit, we need the people of God, and we need the love of Christ to be sources of strength so that our relationship with Christ may be strengthened. And then he finishes with this amazing uh, doxology, and he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so if we think that the task or that, the, uh, that bearing the weight of the relationship with Christ, of our relationship with Christ, is is too much for us. We must call to mind that God can do even more that we can, even more than we can ask or imagine. So, with that, let's pray.